0: Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that, just like Sue Storm, loves a good read. (laughs) We're back, baby. And from what are we back? April Fools.
1: Gotcha. Tricked you. You thought we'd have an episode. We thought we'd have an episode
0: last week. (laughs) Nope. You tuned in saying, where where is it? I need my fix of fic. Got it, you nerds. Sorry. Yeah,
1: I, I i would love to see the look on your face you when had... you went to your podcast feed and was just like, what in the world? You had it coming. <laughs> Here's what happened. Daddy forgot to
0: hit publish. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, things happen. Hey, and these bad bad boys are timely. So if you don't hit publish then, you yeah. miss the opportunity.
1: Right. And we thought, you know what? Why not live up to our bad boy reputation? Mm-hmm. Skip a week. Not tell anyone.
0: It's a bummer. Claim it was a joke. It's a bummer that the episode where we interviewed Frank Miller is the one that's lost to time.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he was great. He divulged a ton of fun stories. Mm-hmm. He, you know, said a lot of- He did a, a top of... 10 list of things he's mad about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, things that- Like, indispensable tips on how to get into the comic book industry. Yep. Like- like surefire ways to get a, a contract.
0: Talked a lot of shit on a lot of current creators. Was dropping names left and right. Yep. No regard. Yep. I,
2: the thing that is frustrating to me is all those pitches that he gave us for comic ideas. Mm-hmm. That he was just like, "Yeah, these were the throwaway ideas I had that you guys can use." Yeah. You know. And story, I wish we would have written them yeah. down.
1: No, and I, I deleted it for, from the hard yeah. drive, so it's gone forever. But anyway, maybe next year we'll have him back on. But uh, Sorry, say, Frank. T- to say the least, sorry, Frank, and sorry to the listener about last week's episode. But ever forward, we have a new episode for you right
0: now. And the same gang is here. I'm Mike D. I'm Greg. And I am still Vargas. Right on. We're going to talk about the comic book news, and then we're going to chop it up about new first issues that we've read, mm-hmm. same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. All right. Now I've been boiling on something for a little over a week now. Yeah. Oh,
2: we were promised a spicy take.
0: Yeah. And it is this guy in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Not Kid Rock. Has found his father's comic book collection Mm -hmm. and is making the news rounds, has been like, I'm finally coming out about this and telling you all about all these comics that I've uncovered. Um It's been kind of pitched as a feel good story on several news outlets mm-hmm. that this guy's father left him behind this like massive collection that he didn't know about. okay. Um, but at the same time, every time they talk about this, it's always posed as his father had a crippling mental disorder. Oh, and hoarding was part of it.. Mm-hmm. And he hoarded um comic books, Star Wars toys, all this stuff mm-hmm. for his entire life, and the family didn't know what he was hoarding. And his wife left him. Oh, no. And his son was out of contact with him. He was kind of estranged. hmm And now, it turns out the things that he was hoarding... Are valuable. Were <laughs> was ...is like one of the greatest comic book collections in the United States. Holy like, shit. Like, he could probably pedigree this thing if he wanted to. And there's a part of it that's like, Really gross to me, how they're posing this to everybody—that their sicko dad had this problem, but at least one good thing came out of it, mm-hmm. and it's that I'm getting rich now by selling his sure. collection. Yeah, um,
2: is is
0: that what's happening? One hundred percent, that's what's happening, and okay. the guy's making a documentary about it, and it's just gross to me how much they're like making a publicity stunt out of it, going on all these news channels while throughout their father's life... They ignored him. He was, like, ignored and shamed for this thing, and now he's making a documentary about it called Selling Superman.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Anytime he makes a public appearance, he's always wearing shirts that say, like, expensive paper and are, like, part of the, like, like inside jokes of the comic book community. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like, this guy's just inserted himself... Into the comic book community, and is like, I'll make as much money as I can off of you people. He, the, yeah,
2: he the, fell ba- ass backwards into a lot of money, a fucking
0: gold mine that he thought
2: was going to be trash.
1: It's he, like someone who tripped into El Dorado.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean, like I say, like, fine, you you treated your dad like his collection was a mental. Disorder and that he had a disease mm-hmm. and maybe he had an unhealthy collection uh, or a, a, an unhealthy relationship rather with collecting comic books. Mm-hmm. We know people who have unhealthy relationships with it. A lot of people spend beyond their means um, in and, this hobby <laughs> and and hoard beyond. I mean, there is times in my life where I think I've had a borderline unhealthy um, relationship with like g- having to have it all. hmm. Um just the way it's being communicated and the way this guy is trying to capitalize on it mm-hmm. just seems like gross, insincere. And the fact that he's making a movie out of like, I'm gonna sell this Superman comic and I'm gonna make a fucking ton of money. Yeah. And while while also ingenuinely being like, I've cannonballed into the comic book community and I'm a part of it now mm-hmm. just feels gross. I would say to you guys if you haven't seen like the news store, like the local Detroit news story they did on it that kind of like started the news cycle mm-hmm. about this guy, watch it and just see how you feel. Cause I'm interested if you guys have the same temperature on it as me. Okay. Him and his mother, who again left his father because of this collection. And said she didn't even know he was collecting comic books. They just were like, he's hoarding boxes. Um, oh, God. How could you not know? Right. I also think there's a part of this that's insincere where they're pretending that they didn't know he had comics mm-hmm. because it makes it a bigger like,
2: wow, what a reveal. Seriously.
0: his his You would open those boxes at one point and be like, what
2: the hell's
1: Dave putting
0: in these his goddamn del- things? His delusion was worth money. Like, wow, surprise. I think they knew. And they're both wearing T-shirts throughout this interview to promote their documentary. Yuck. It's just gross. But the guy has um, an immense collection. He's got a uh, Superman 1 graded in a 7, hmm? which is, I think, the third highest yeah. graded copy of that. So that's going to sell for like probably $2 million. I don't know what that goes for, but yeah. a hell of a lot of money. And then he, I think he's got a... Um,
1: Probably every comic book that's come out. Says. I think
0: he's got like a Batman number one, yeah. Like tons of like comics. Those two are the two big whammies, the Superman number one and the Batman number one. But um you know, you can have two million dollar comics and if that's the caliber of your collection, then you probably have a lot of ten thousand dollar comics, a lot yeah. of five thousand, mm-hmm. et cetera. So
2: Well, and and think about the Marvel sixties and seventies stuff he yeah. surely has if he's got those. Right.
0: So uh well also this dude can't like
1: really flex because he's not like oh he's not like i'm in the comic book community he's like well you're gonna sell them like and and if you're a true collector you would hold on to them because like oh it's cool to have it in my collection you're instantly just trying to make a fucking book
2: even then not to like be the gatekeeper guy but if somebody like fires off and they're like check out this collection my dad gave me and it's like what's in there i don't know okay get the fuck out of here yeah
0: let, right? Let me pick through it. Yeah. yeah. And I think if if my dad passed away and left me a 7.0 copy of Superman number one, I'm selling it. Like, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to keep that. That's worth more than my entire comic book collection I have currently. It's sure. worth more than my house. It could fund my life for the rest of my living. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's the reverence they paid him during his life. Mm, right. Right. And- right. How they are treating him now? The amazing thing he did now, okay, is fucking gross. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone else have this take about it. I'm worried a little bit that me sounding off is like maybe I'm the wrong one, but ugh, it so, left such a bad taste in. my So mind. is like the
1: son just like taking the um, uh, the 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 stance of just like I'm learning so much about my dad now. From this
0: collection, that's gonna make me rich than I ever did in his whole life,
2: yeah, and that's what I'm wondering is
0: like if this I don't guy think he's learning anything from him, it's just like, oh, that hoarding he was doing was now I appreciate him <laughs> were like right. uh, we were, were like the smartest investments you could make. Mm-hmm. his dad didn't have. million to buy a copy of Superman number one. Right. He probably bought it for peanuts. Uh Uh-huh. They also showed, like, a ton of Star Wars toys in box. The amount of foresight that this man had Mm -hmm. to amass the collection he put together was unbelievable. And maybe they're not showing parts of his collection that are trash. Maybe he hoarded like, life magazines that are, like, worth at most like, 20 bucks a piece if they're in good condition. Mm -hmm. But... At the same time, based on what they did show, it's like this guy knew what he was buying, mm-hmm. and he was keeping it in a good enough condition that he was preserving it for something. That he was he was a hobbyist who knew he was making an investment, yeah, rather than someone hoarding for hoarding sake, and they're really belittling who he is and what he was doing. And I really, yes. as someone who yes. collects comics, I like really took offense I see what you mean, to no. the lack of reverence they were giving him.
1: Right, because a, a hoarder doesn't have a 7.0 Superman number one.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what ho- I mean. Yeah, a hoarder's got a Superman number one in a pile of no, a hoarder has a, a
1: <laughs> newspapers from nineteen thirty stacked up in the kitchen. And he has to save them to keep yeah. the, the yeah. voices out
2: of his head.
0: Mm-hmm. That's well, what a hoarder is. But but you could also have something- Bags, bags of clothes that don't fit anymore. They're calling like, him a hoarder to sell the documentary better. Yes. And, I 100% think that's true.
2: But, like, he could be both. You could be a collector
0: and a hoarder. That's definitely true.
2: Yes. But
1: was this man disheveled and- Right. Like- beyond his means well what if if you know that you have a 7.0 superman number one you get that insured as a collector and like you know the
0: monetary value of it it's it's almost like they're talking about his father like he didn't know what he had or like he lived in a trash can or there's something. no way this man had no clue what he was sitting on no he's been collecting comics his entire life it and it's, you didn't know that about him. It Get sounds, the fuck out of here! It sounds
2: to me like they didn't know what he had, obviously. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to say like no one knew what he had. Yeah, because you, you don't
1: collect comics in secret.
2: Well, <laughs> and like y- you didn't know, so who knew? You're his. You're his son. Uh-huh. Just because you didn't know doesn't mean he didn't know,
1: right? Or that, you know, he probably had friends he talked to other than, yeah. like, his wife and son. Yeah, like, when
2: he went to the comic book store every week.
1: S- someone <laughs> knew he had those comics. Yeah.
0: Wow. And your estranged family's like, my dad never brought me anything but pain, but, like, now I'm going to make a bunch of money off of his yeah. filthy ha- habit yeah. And hobby.
1: If, yeah. If it's, so f- if it's such a filthy habit, uh, donate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if it's something you're ashamed of. If it's so worthless, you just donate it. Give it to uh, the Smithsonian or something. Yeah. Or, you know why? Why would you need the money from it? If it's so worthless. Because
0: you're a big piece of shit. P.U. selling Superman. I will not be watching your documentary. I will be. But I'll have a frown on my face, and I'll be very judgmental about it.
2: I'll buy it and burn it. Yeah. How about that, Mike?
1: That's the same energy as Kid Rock buying the Bud Light cans and shooting them with an assault rifle. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, well, I don't remember this story. It just came out. Oh, okay. So Bud Light put an- another Detroiter. Bud Light uh, put a, a new can out for Pride mm-hmm. that says we celebrate all genders. Yeah. So there's like he, him, she, she, uh, she her, they, them on the can. Yeah. Just being like, hey, we're, we love everyone. Everyone loves Bud Light, kind of thing. The yeah.
2: bare minimum. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That corporate synergy yeah. is basically what that is. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, the the radical Mr right, Rock <laughs> Dr. Rock uh couldn't <laughs> couldn't stand for that anymore. He he uh made this bizarre video of him standing in front of a church, looking at the church wistfully, <laughs> reflecting on positive times he's had there, turns to the camera, says some bullshit picks up a literal assault rifle, shoots around some cans, is a terrible shot with an assault rifle, and he's, like, right next to them. He misses
2: two cases of beer with a machine gun. <laughs> it is
1: it is a farce, this, like, character he's made out of Kid Rock now. And then he turns to the camera and he says, fuck Bud Light, fuck Anhe- Anheuser-Busch, have a terrific day. His shtick just doesn't even make sense his, anymore. He he like, started his the identity profiting off of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like yes. he was a hip hop guy in early Detroit way back in the 80s. He had the fucking high top flat top thing uh-huh. like kids in play did. That was his in play. <laughs> that was his I that was his identity. Uh-huh. And the shift of well, who he is now, this is the empty MAGA shell of a human, yeah. is bewildering. And to be so pissed off at a beer can, mm-hmm. first of all, you went out and bought the cans and then destroyed them. Who's the real idiot? Because Bud Light got your money. he well, well, you didn't
0: go steal those well, Bud Lights. I, in
2: fairness, he didn't destroy them. He missed a lot of those beers. It's <laughs> <is> true.
0: There's <laughs> still a lot of good Bud Light over there by that creek. It's like, well, leave some because we want to drink it still uh, off screen. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is, like, a character for him that he's leaning into. Well, he made
2: a Go Trump song, so probably not a lot. Ugh. He's he's
0: honing in on the base that will support him financially the most. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. If he's pandering to them. his yeah, whole Oh, totally. His whole thing's being a complete dirtbag. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he'd be, like, staring at a church... Um, wistfully Mm -hmm. and then immediately turning and having an assault rifle in his hands. Yeah. Um, shooting pride stuff like is like you go from like dirt bag to like, Oh, I'm an up upstanding Christian Mm -hmm. back to dirt bag bigot. Yeah. It sounds, it seems like a joke. It's like a parody of itself. Mm -hmm. And yet, <laughs> it should be like I think
1: it should be in. I think you should leave Skid.
0: Yeah, right. This is. I remember the the creators of <laughs> the Complex Carney, the creators of Veep, were like, "Oh God, we just can't make the show anymore because the stuff that's happening on the news is crazier than our satire we've created." Right. Like it's it's like how do we do our job? That like isn't it kooky what goes on behind the scenes in the White House mm-hmm. when the <laughs> when they're out crazy <laughs> when ups. they're out crazying you they were like we just like couldn't continue the show any longer wild anyway that was the Kid Rock thing of the
1: week I guess
2: <laughs> my the week. my third grade math teacher was Kid Rock's godfather just so everybody knows
1: <laughs> that said do they still talk
2: I don't know but he called <laughs> he. He always told stories about Kid Rock, but he called him, like, Robert or whatever his, like, real name was. Mm -hmm. And it was always very funny to me.
1: (laughs) Robert pooped his pants until he was eight, Yeah, he was like, oh, he's
2: such a nice boy. Yeah, bullshit. It was very funny.
1: He'll profit off off of any
0: minority that he can. Yeah. Minority group, I should say. Oh, no kidding. I mean, your whole thing is that you appropriated a culture Mm -hmm. to build your career. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to go, like, alt-right. And be a part of a group that, like, belittles that culture. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that his fun goofball mascot for all his Kid Rock videos was a little person Uh who, like, he just, like, paraded around like, ha-ha, isn't this a funny joke? Right. I've got a midget in the back. Like, disgusting. Yeah. No one's disagreeing.
1: Yeah, no. (laughs) No. No, no, there are no Kid Rock fans in the studio, but there are Bud Light fans. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All
0: right. You know, I escalated with the- uh, With the super- Selling Superman. With Selling Superman, and then we this peaked, We peaked
1: with Kid Rock. Let's get right into my comic books. My face is okay. red.
0: Like, I feel physically hot. You you look hot in yeah. a good way.
2: <laughs> I have a little bit more news. Maybe this will- Yeah, let's pour some let's, water. Let's, even, let's calm the waters, Maybe. Andy. We'll see. Uh, Days of Future Past, the classic X-Men story, is getting a prequel from Marvel. Okay. From Mark Guggenheim and Manuel Garcia. Uh,
1: any word on what it is? Like, a prequel I, I know to a pre- Days of... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> how, do, how do you do a prequel to that event?
2: It's a four, event? Issue, four issue limited. we will show okay. mutant kind struggling to survive in the apocalyptic future. Brought upon by the Sentinel program. I guess well, that makes sense. The thing
0: you for, the thing we forget about future past is it was so iconic, mm-hmm. and it's it seems like a massive X Men storyline because of how iconic it is. Mm-hmm. But it was, what, like four issues? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It, it like, was not – at the time, they just didn't do big event stuff like they do now. Mm -hmm. And so it was, like, kind of in – it It was, like, one story arc that just resonated with people. So there was a lot of unknowns. And if I'm remembering – it's been a while since I've read it. I've never read it. But I think it's one of those things where they just, like, jump into it and you're like, wait, what's going on? Right. Um, It is. Because it starts with – you know, you got Wolverine and Kitty Pride on the cover, mm-hmm. in front of the like slain, missing, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and you're thrown into that world, being like, "How did my my X Men get here?
1: <laughs> How did my babies <laughs> get into this situation?
0: <laughs> did so, I miss some issues?" <laughs> so I I could see um there being room to explore that, but I've I they've also revisited this several times, yes, and there's always a goofball pun on the title or like uh is it years of future past Mm -hmm. or is it days of past futures (laughs) they've done so many past tense of future hoods past tense of future days like could be the title of something like this and you get to a point where it it becomes eye-rolling to just like continually revisit this thing that was like it was perfect and maybe should be left alone Right, like I get, I, I, I don't want to say that completely because yeah, it's great to revisit these things, and that's what makes the canon so relevant and interesting because you reference it and mm-hmm. um, build upon it, right? But let's not tread it over and over again until right. the tires are bare. I think this is what Chris
1: Claremont was referencing of just like I think you know, can... like we could do this, and then had 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 Days of Future Past happened. In the 2000s, it would have been a 34 issue event. True,
0: with yeah. multiple
1: crossovers.
0: Like I, I kind of like how I don't. Think it would have a... to get a drink into Chris Claremont for him to say "fuck these guys" for making this. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 this, I, I am totally in, in agreement with him. I'm just like,
1: it was nice that we had the four issue thing. Mm-hmm. It was iconic, and we're done. We 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 are moving on. We don't need to revisit this. We don't need to rehash it.
2: Let's just continue. Like, hey, but at the same time, I'll say that to play devil's advocate. Okay, yeah. the entirety of comic book continuity is built upon writing stories based Reconning on things. And, yeah, it's yeah. You okay. know, you you revisiting the past. You can't have forty years of Spider-Man without at least kind of building on what has come before, mm-hmm.
0: right? So, like, you build on it, but how often do you retread the same thing? This is like my thing with Spider-Man. Is like. Um, how many times can we bring Gwen Stacy back to life and then kill her again? Right. All like, the times. You you do it all the times. At and, least two years. And, <laughs> Every two years. And Spider-Man fans buy it because they tease that something big is going to happen, and you're like, oh, it's the one big thing that happens in Spider-Man over and over and over again. It's Gwen Stacy season. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's I, I would compare this in some respects it's on a smaller scale mm-hmm. but um to the watchman and doomsday clock um obviously the, the watchman fantastic doomsday clock comes out um did i buy it all yes. hell yeah i did <laughs> took you three years <laughs> it took a long yeah. ass time and did i enjoy it yeah i thought it was fun did we need it no Does it kind of like muddy the waters and like make you less excited about something like Doomsday Clock because they did all of those like Watchmen spinoffs for years after the movie? Yeah, you get less excited about it. I think it's okay to do something like that. Like we're saying with Doomsday Clock, give us give us something referential of Watchmen once every decade or once every 20 years. Yeah, that's like we're doing another 12 issue event that plays with this world. And this time the hook is that we're pulling it into normal DC <laughs> continuity. Like that's fun. Yeah. Right? And next ten years they're all gonna be babies. <laughs> but I, but I don't I don't wanna see um the Watchmen get rehashed every two, three years. No.
2: All I'm saying is Watchmen versus Youngblood win. You know? <laughs>
1: Eternals versus Watchmen. <laughs> I mean, somebody call Rob Liefeld
2: <laughs> and get him to do oh, that. Oh,
1: man. Don't say that too loud because it'll happen.
2: <laughs> the other little tiny piece, well, I've got two little tiny pieces of news. Um, Grendel's original story mm-hmm. is getting a big giant size hardcover out cool. from Dark Horse, which is cool. I've always been interested in Grendel, mm-hmm. um, but I've never read any.
1: It looked um, like a Hot Topic version of Deadpool. Yeah, but that's he, what
0: I feel like when I see Grendel. He's a very cool looking character. Yeah, that's all I can tell you about. I mean,
2: Matt Mo Wagner's art is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he, he's like a super criminal. That's like he's like if Batman was a was a, a cat burglar.
0: Oh, nice! I think that's the bit for Grendel. He's like really intelligent though, right? I think yeah. he yeah. Like you said, Batman. Yeah, yeah. I should. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Batman's an idiot. You defined it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like if uh, Detective Chimp was a super. <laughs> and the other last little piece of news, only because it was new to me, I found out that Mark Miller, uh, you know, classic comic book writer mm-hmm. Mark Miller, has a YouTube channel called Miller Time. Called where, Miller Time. <laughs> where he interviews other comic book creators.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know about that either. I love the name. Yeah. You said that the shows are two and a half to three hours long. Yeah, they're
2: very, very, very long, very freeform. Yeah, but I mean, that's two and a half too long. <laughs> I mean, it's it's or a Rogan classic. style. <laughs> they yeah, they really yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so
1: what's a comic to you? It's like yeah.
2: no fast forward. <laughs> but sometimes you get a lot of good stuff like that, I, out of conversations like that. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to see Mark Miller interviewing uh, um, Elon Musk, Greg Capullo. All oh, right, you get that. Like, there's a three-hour conversation on YouTube right now.
0: Which or, is great because, like, I'm sure they've collaborated and seen each other yeah. over the years working in the industry. So, And I would rather hear those guys telling stories back and forth than I would... You were I right, talking uh, to a, them. Uh, f- exactly right. Me being like, what's the first comic book you fell in love yeah. with?
2: Who would win <laughs> in a fight between Batman
0: and Robin? Who's your... F- <laughs> who is who's a, a marvel character you always wanted to write for?
2: <laughs> does Batman respect. Yeah. Himself. <laughs> himself.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 2 hours later still not answered. Yeah. So. so if
2: you if you want a lot of really deep comic book content, check out Miller Time,
1: baby. I am actually going to check that out. That sounds yeah, pretty Yeah, bad it does
2: ass. sound kinda cool. Pretty cool.
1: Uh quick news hits from me. The new Jonathan Hickman series was announced called Gods. Yeah. Uh G-O-D-S with uh dots in the middle of them. So what
0: could it stand for?
1: Uh I don't know.
2: Did G. We... Uh we're not doing it. Nope, we're not gonna <laughs> oh, spitball okay. it online. <laughs> uh
1: but it's like so the, the the bit of the series is that there is like a secret organization older than like the higher gods of the Marvel universe. And they're like all in control of like the continuity of the worlds. Okay, so we're gonna get a lot of like callback to new stories, old stories, different characters. So typical Jonathan Hickman headiness. Um, be prepared. Give <laughs> yeah.
0: me the charts. Give you me the charts. You get them, my it friend. Sounds chart heavy, and from what I read, it was I. It sounds like they were writing or composing the storyline at the same time he was doing house and powers of x sure so it's supposed to be very restructural mm. that's not a word of it is now of the marvel gods hierarchy because right now you've got they they're trying to jam all these like one-off comics into singular <laughs> continuity throughout like you know, 1960 through now. Mm-hmm. And in that, you've got like Thor, god mythology. You've got Null, who's like some like god of the symbiotes. Yeah. And all these other like eternity, infinity, all these other competing um, god like figures, the celestials. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like everything is supposed to be the most powerful god like thing. And you can't all be the most powerful godlike singular entity. So I think the purpose of it is to clean up and organize yep. all that stuff. So moving forward, there is some sort of like meaningful structure. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will will read that concept and say, these are uh, cartoon men in spider suits that like go fight crime in New York. Like that's fucking ridiculous to – try to put this much baggage into it. And then there are people like me yeah.
1: who are like No, we need it. Yes, order. Yeah. <laughs> I need a flow chart. It, like, I need a directory. <laughs> who do I call? It's
2: ridiculous that it's taken this long to get this point. Oh, wait, seriously. <laughs>
1: All the world building and like fantasy. Like I need a wor- I need like a a a family tree of mm-hmm. hierarchy of like, you know, who can who can uh, came from who who's on the, who's on the top i need all that it sounds
0: kind of i'm going to buy it it sounds interesting
2: i absolutely yeah, i'm going to buy I it i
0: think everyone at the table here is going to buy it yeah
2: the i think the biggest question is is this going to be jonathan hickman's fourth world mm, jonathan th- hickman's mm, new gods
1: no i think they're i think they honestly brought him in to be like please make sense of the fucking mess that we have made here clean it up and, then you and can, we can be and, done with it. And then you can do the ultimates. <laughs> then you can do whatever you want. Like just make it all make sense. Yeah,
0: yeah that's right. I think they're giving him the ultimates back again, and then he's just gonna stay there forever. Because
1: I think I think long ago we talked about Kevin Feige took more interest in the comic books, and I'm sure he sat down with a lot of people and was just like there's too many loose strings. There are two like if you want a nice flow to all this, we gotta streamline it.
0: Well, I think that's why the ultimates was so appealing to people, just because it did start fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get it, it. It was stuff you could wrap your head around.
1: Yeah. So uh good on you, Jonathan. You're the only person I feel like that could do it besides Grant Morrison. So for real. Hold on tight and please make it make sense. <laughs> uh last two things, there is a recently announced new ongoing blade series finally we haven't seen an ongoing blade series in a couple decades it's been a hot minute Been a long time uh one can only speculate this is, this is gaining traction because of the blade movie that will be coming out in a couple of years
2: and because a certain podcast, podcast
1: host name andy vargas talked about it on air and sacrificed and so much i yelled about
2: it very loudly
1: And then lastly, Zdarsky's Daredevil run is coming to an end.
2: I did not hear about that.
1: Yep. They're wrapping it all up. Will it be a nice
0: bow? Will it be messy? Hey, if I was writing Batman, I would say, why don't I try to focus focus on that? (laughs) I get it. I've loved the run on... Two years, I think. He's been doing Daredevil for two years. Daredevil, but yeah, I think it's okay. Been an iconic run for him to step away. It's great. You did you did a great job on that chip. Yeah, that's an omnibus
2: that I might buy. Fresh off the. Fresh, yeah, because his first Daredevil run plus the Woman Without Fear mm-hmm. plus his second Daredevil run. If that was all in one book, I'm sure will. I'd probably buy that. Yeah, it was, it's. A, I
0: don't know that you could fit that all in one book. Look,
2: Ooh, two omnibuses. I can't spend three hundred dollars on. <laughs>
1: well, you do have a wedding coming up, so maybe we
2: can get you <laughs> we oh, can go nice. in on a gift. Yeah. Did <laughs> Kara like comic that's, books? <laughs> that's what I told Kara. I was like, we have to have a reception because Daddy needs a PS five. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I this always occurs to me at some points when I've got friends getting married and it's like, oh, I know one of them would love X. And it's like, but then we're just getting the wedding gift for the one person. Yeah, yeah you
2: guys aren't friends with Kara, though. <laughs>
0: You're like, so give me fucking comics. Conv- give trust me, trust me fucking comics. Conv- we'll just meet you out in the parking lot and put in your trunk.
2: Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> nice. And you can hide it from your wife, and then 20 years later, we can make a documentary
2: about you <laughs> called "Selling Daredevil. Say- <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can go back to her and be like, can you believe fucking Mike, Mike and, Greg didn't, get Mike and Greg didn't get us a single fucking thing. Why were you the <laughs> partying about kissing them? <laughs> you all three were weak. Because I'm secretly gay. <laughs> Can't tell her about the present.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bury the lead. <laughs> you guys want to
0: talk about some comic books? Yeah, let's tease oh, no. um, the uh, what we're doing on the Patreon first. Uh, that's Ooh. right.
1: Patreon.com backslash First Issue Club. we got a couple fun things we're going to be doing over there. I have brought a stack of books um, to show the boys. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm finally getting to work on my comic book cave down in my basement. That means I've been going through all my old long and short boxes. And I've been reminded of books that I had forgotten that I owned. So we're going to play a new game called Hey, I Forgot I Own That. And, and I'm going to show off the books oh, to you. We've
0: got a stack of maybe 25-ish books here. Mm-hmm. And there's a banger sitting on top, so who Dude, knows what other gems you I have. I feel
1: like
2: we're going to just like be shitting our <laughs> pants <laughs> like, oh, sitting
1: here. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tease it up. The stack of books right here in front of you, net worth over $1,000. Right. Good. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, you guys are going to be sweating and screaming. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, Andy also has some stuff planned for the Patreon that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to show off our little soundboard that oh, we've been working God. on. <laughs> um, and uh, what else we got planned? Some some fun stuff. Uh, Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs, <laughs> some games. Also, I want to announce, we added a new tier to the Patreon. It's called Just a Taste. It's one buck a month. You get two episodes, so you don't get the extra stuff that we do. You don't get the videos, but you get two Audio episodes a month, just to see if you like First Issue Club Patreon. Do I really want to commit to four dollars a month for the uh, extreme exclusive edition? You will, but just for those uh, <laughs> geeks on a budget, we have the dollar tier called Just a Taste, of First Issue Club. So head over there, Patreon.com/backslash First Issue Club.
0: Give it a give it a peek. Wow, what a salesman! So good, inventing this new tier. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It's got great branding, too. Just a to taste. Bravo. All right, what'd you guys read? First
1: off, I read Indigo Children out on Image Comics by Kurt Pyers, uh, who recently did It's Only Teenage Wasteland. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that book. And
1: it is ri- written by um, Rockwell White. Oh, I'm sorry. The story is by Kurt Pyers and Rockwell White, illustrated by Alex Diotto and Dee Canumphy. Okay. It is about these... A uh, group of children who are born with these like abilities to like see the future, move matter. They are alluded to like have lived many lifetimes. So it's like an espionage. Uh, they these kids have to go into hiding, and like it's um, this journalist hunting them down because it's like kind of like an urban legend. Uh, fucking rips! It, it's incredible. the The book opens with um, this kind of like a uh, terrorist attack on an airplane that this kid f- basically foils in the uh, the terrorist attack and, and saves everyone from the explosion by putting them in like a mind bubble Dumb. um and from there it just it goes you know off the rails and it really and y- you think it's just going to be like high octane action the whole time and for the most part you know, it really is but the espionage part of this and like the 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 uh, journalist just trying to like hunt down these leads is done really really well and like captivates you from the beginning and just like makes you want to uh you know <laughs> read this guy's notebook of all the notes he has on the the well, indigo children let me
0: ask you this about it is are are the indigo children known at large to the world that like they exist um or or was that like was what I'm kind of getting towards was the them being saved on a plane, kind of an inciting incident for people to be like, there are people with superpowers on Earth.
1: So uh, I'm going to i compare it to this, but it is not this. Okay. Think of Eleven from Stranger Things. Yeah. There is a secret organization that knows about these kids, yeah. kind of seeing what their limits are. Did they use them for other stuff? Maybe the book will explore that. But I feel like all those occurrences that happen with those kids, like mm-hmm. the uh, terrorist attack uh, and all that, probably get covered up either by the government or the organization that is following the Indigo children. And the book ends with the journalist finding one of the kids who had grown up in this, like, Russian village Mm -hmm. that is a fake village, and every villager in the Russian community is, like, a KGB agent to make sure that no one finds these kids. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, like a, a spy espionage supernatural story.
2: I don't know how I miss this book, because... I'm I'm looking at it on image. They describe it as radiant black meets Department of Truth, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I missed that book because
0: <laughs> it's it's super super good. I'll I'll say one of my early contenders and a strong contender for best cover of the year. I think the A cover on this is so striking. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. you've got like an airport terminal that's filled with like. People all colored the same wash of teal. Mm -hmm. And then there's one of our characters, one of the children in like, you know, wearing a different color tone hue, but with a splash of indigo paint, like covering them up. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a statement to be made there about like Mm. them being like you know these hidden children or silenced mm, yeah. or yeah, yeah. you know whatever it is but it's just it's v- it's a very thought provoking cover
2: there's also a jenny frizen two jenny frizen covers and i mean come on
0: can't go wrong with jenny frizen can't covers can't go wrong with jenny frizen um so
1: go check it out it, it, it's a it's a not a mini or a maxi it's like a kind of somewhere
2: in the middle yeah, and it's an ongoing, it says. Oh, oh. It, is, it is ongoing. Okay. okay.
1: So I, th- I thought it was uh, limited, but um, it, this is one to watch for if you need a, uh, a, a reprieve from your superhero stuff. This will be a fun uh, spy thriller book.
0: Soon to be a show on Amazon Prime. No, they're talking about-
1: No, the youth. Youth. Youth will be. Oh, a different book he wrote. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he wrote okay. Youth. Yeah, it's only Teenage Wasteland, which is fucking incredible. Did
0: youth come out in single issues or was that just a trade? Youth was a trade, I yeah, believe. That's what I thought.
1: Um and so, yeah. Kurt Pyers is <clears throat> crushing it. He, uh, if you haven't um heard his name recently around your shop,
0: get ready because you're going to be hearing a lot from him. Uh check it out. Is this do you know if this is his first image book? I think those other ones were on Black Mask? Um, so, It's Only Teenage Wasteland was on Dark
1: Horse. It was on Dark
0: Horse, okay.
1: And then, I want to say this is his first image book. Okay. But, in any case, go yep. check it out. All right. Uh, the other image book I read, well, uh, Andy and I also read, uh, was The Ambassadors. Oh, from so our friend Mark It's Miller Time Miller, <laughs> and Frank Quietly. Uh, this is... Uh, well, Andy, you, you you take the realm on this one. So, it's a...
2: Superhero book mm-hmm. with a geopolitics spin. Yes. Um imagine if Iron Man like basically the beginning of Iron Man 2 mm-hmm. in the MCU, mm-hmm. but Iron Man is South Korean. Yes. So there's a somebody has literally invented superpowers. They had cracked the genome. Figured out a way to give folks superpowers. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely brilliant how they introduce that character because she has she oh, yeah. she, the real character, is in prison, mm-hmm. has figured out how to clone herself, mm-hmm. but she is broadcasting her own thoughts into the she's body. basically
1: downloading her old self into her new self, yeah, blows her brains out in jail, yeah, to like finish the download,
2: and then she's like a super a superman,
1: yeah. And then she's basically just like, "I will now be picking eight other people in the world
2: to have superpowers, gain superpowers." Yes. and then and then it's just like open
1: tryouts. Well, and thus begins a weird arm race. Yeah, because
0: every like you you get the oh, shot that's every na- like every nation can't have a no yeah superhero. because like they have this great scene of like these
1: American generals talking of just like what are we gonna fucking do right? Like we were supposed to figure this out when we actually we tricked people into thinking we had done it during right. the cold war. We made up this, these fake, uh, yeah, like imagine, commercials.
2: Imagine if the Superman comics were propaganda.
1: Got it. And so like that started the real thing of just like, well, not all these other nations want to get superpowers. Well, this woman in South Korea figured it out.
2: Yeah. And then there's also kind of a subplot too where I think mm-hmm. there's going to be like super villains already exist in the world. Like they're, they're, they there's yes. a couple of scenes of like folks sociopaths having superpowers so, already. So
1: yeah, the scene that comes to my mind is the guy in South Africa,
2: yeah, right? or Australia or something. Yeah, yes, probably South Africa. That makes sense. So but...
1: this guy's in a bar and then uh, he's talking to the bartender and then these this like SWAT team shows up to arrest him and he just annihilates this SWAT team in the mo- shout out to Frank quietly from drawing the Dude. most beautiful brutal <laughs> violent shit. I have seen in a long time. Yeah. And it was it was poetic. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. And this guy's like disassembles this kill squad. And so my thinking I'm I am i I'm guessing that that guy had a hand in helping this woman figure out. Yeah. Like he was on the team that figured out the genome and like took some for himself. Probably. Yeah. And so what we're gonna get is like a very real take, like kinda like kick ass of like what would actually happen if everyday people got superior powers. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and if you couldn't tell, I'm I'm jazzed about this book. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. It was
0: very good. Shout out to Mark Millar for always keeping his comic books affordable. Yes, mm-hmm. I think this book was two ninety nine.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I'm, you got your money's worth with that yeah. for sure. And his uh, nightclub, the book about his vampires, yeah. was one ninety nine buck ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> every issue. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm I know. I'm, I'm rich. That's amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, this book is absolute top tier. Yes.
1: And this one is only six issues. Yes. So, small investment, beautiful to look at. It's going to be a wild ride.
2: And if you're one of those guys, keep in mind Miller World is all Netflix owned. This was actually co produced by Netflix.
0: The book was. The book was. Okay. The last, like, 15 books he's written yeah. have had a big Netflix logo on the back of the cover. Correct. I'm still and... waiting for my Sharky the Bounty Hunter TV show. <laughs> <laughs> They've got I think first what what do they call it? Like...
2: First look? First yeah. look. Uh,
0: first right of refusal. First right of refusal. Yeah. yeah. So they can make anything that he creates into a TV show. Yeah, he's got
2: movie. he's got a deal with them. Yeah. So if you're a spec guy, just buy everything that Miller puts out. But they print
0: so goddamn yeah, they, much of it. Yeah,
1: Don't
0: do not do that. No, do it. <laughs> well, do it because you'll probably enjoy the comics if you like his style. Yeah. Well, and the first issue
1: has already gone to uh, second print. Yeah. Like, that's how wild people went for this book.
0: I feel like I remember them talking about a Huck movie or that show. That would be so good. I loved Huck. Yeah. I loved it, Huck. And that might have been one of the first Netflix-sponsored image books he did. I'm not sure if that had started yet.
2: I don't think so. That was a while Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, that was before the... I I think Magic Order was his first Magic
0: Order and then Snarky, or Sharky, whatever the fuck that book was Mm -hmm. called. Uh, (laughs) Have you heard the story with Magic Order where they'd printed like 10,000, 20,000 copies or something wild to give away uh, at Comic-Cons and they i i think there was an issue with like one of the con sponsors because the content was so graphic oh okay that they just ended up with like 20,000 issues of this comic that they were like what do we do with this thing mm-hmm. and this was like a super buzzworthy like oh man this is going to be the it's like Harry Potter for adults it's going to be like wild um but just because there were more copies of it published than like any like you could you could buy like it, 50 everyone could buy like 50 copies of it and there would still be just like more copies floating out there it was, just, it was just like worth no money and i'm not saying i think it's an interesting conversation what that does to the buzz of a comic book like part of the fervor surround and hype surrounding a book yeah. is sometimes that it's limited and it's hard to get your hands on a first print. You gotta sell out. And I think, yeah, it's like, you can't say we went to six printings on this book because you can't sell out of the first by printing that many yeah. copies of a comic book. They just, they just don't have that big of an audience to do so. So, yeah, I think it took the wind out of its sails a little bit.
2: Yeah. Magic Order was great though.
0: I loved it, and it had some fire covers. Yeah. Did they make that into a show? Not no, yet. not yet. Not Still yet. no. Okay. No. So the deal was, Netflix. <laughs> too horny. It al- is too horny. Netflix had already greenlit a show with almost the exact same name. Oh, the magicians. Was it the magicians? Probably.
1: There was that and something. Something else because I remember I was like, it, "Are we sure the Magic Order isn't a show?" I mean, there's my, a show called The Order. Maybe it's the Order,
0: and it's it, kind of like magical, yes. sexy stuff. I think that's what it was, and they were like, "We have too close of a show. <laughs> it's already that."
1: <laughs> Sorry. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Yes. <laughs> he, he's got a
1: lot. Uh, yeah. Here are twenty yeah. other ideas. Yeah. The dude's a, an, an idea prolific, factory. Yeah. yeah. I read um number 10 of Bloodstained Teeth which is the um Christopher uh, sorry Christian Ward series that he wrote. Mm-hmm. It was that number 10 was like the last issue. And uh, this so this is the first time that Christian Ward has written a, a series. He's mainly an artist and I was worried about, you know, not worried about like I was curious how he would do as a writer. <laughs> Uh, oh
0: no! I have to buy these things, and what if it's not good? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and he he nailed it. He landed the book perfectly. Like, I always hear a lot of good things about it. One through ten, it it tells an incredible story. Um, so yeah, if you were worried about or curious about how that would go, I am here to tell you: issues one through ten, the whole series bangs, slaps, and claps. It is very good. So go check out <laughs> Bloodstained Teeth. It just finished up, just wrapped, so I'm assuming there's gonna be what is that probably two trades broken up into the two arcs, um, and probably one big hardbound. Does
0: the first issue go for a premium, Vargas? Nope. three dollars. Yeah, $3. it's okay. It, it
2: isn't
1: it. It isn't a bu- buzzworthy book of just like Spec World is on it, uh-huh. but you as a reader should definitely go check this book out. Yeah, because the the hook of it is this like Playboy vampire has to go back. And kill everyone that he turned into a vampire because he did it too many times. Yeah. Dope. Because he's just like, he got too flippant with who he turned into a vampire and like it's muddying up a lot of their shit. Yeah. So now it's just like a race through time of him trying to like kill everyone that he turned into a vampire. It's super dope. So go check it out. That's sick. I also read
0: (laughs) The list goes on
1: (laughs) Planet of the Apes. Me too. From Marvel and 20th Century Studios. Uh, I'm not even going to hold my cards here or bluff. It fucking ruled. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know how this was going to go. I didn't know if this was going to be like a cheap money grab. It killed it. Who is writing it? Uh, So the writer is David F. Walker and Dave Watcher. So David F. Walker was co writer of Bitter Root. Oh. He also wrote
2: Luke Cage. He also wrote
1: Luke Cage. Okay. So. Um, he's already proven himself as like an amazing writer, and throwing him in here and it it it's basically the same as uh the James Franco Planet of the Apes of like it shows you how it started on Earth, and the subsequent years following of like how apes came to be you know organized and yeah all that shit um which I like because the the first Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston iconic. Classic. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's it's very good. Like Andy, I think you've seen it, right? Planet of the
2: Apes. Yes, big time.
1: It is a it, it's a perfect movie.
2: It, yeah, I mean it's a sci fi masterpiece for
1: and, sure. It, people think I'm joking when I say that, but it's it's a perfect sci fi movie.
2: I honestly, the first three mm-hmm. are like insanely good. <laughs> it
1: holds up. Yeah, like it was made in the seventies. Right? Yeah, I think seventies structurally as a story and like uh all the effects and all the costuming
2: holds up it's so, so
1: fucking well yeah so, uh, so go check it out and check out this book it's um i think it's going to be a lot of fun
2: yeah it had a lot of like not eco terrorist stuff but like that was kind of the vibe where like she the main character is like a soldier who mm-hmm. has to protect the apes from yeah. people who want to kill the apes
1: and it and it really strikes a interesting chord now because we're post-COVID. Yes. It plays into that a little bit of just like, this all started because they were trying to create a medicine that would stop Alzheimer's in humans. Uh-huh. And since uh, primate brains and human brains are so alike, they obviously started testing on apes first. Well, the medicine
0: made the apes smarter but like gave humans some kind of flu. So this is like an alternate timeline planet of the apes. No,
1: it no, takes this, place... is, this is telling you how planet of the apes started. Yeah. Became planet it's of like the apes. It's like a prequel
0: to Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah. the 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 James Franco Planet of the Apes is a prequel to the original movies.
0: They're oh, all it's all that. in the same continuity. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Yeah. When was the James Franco one set? Like like modern day like yeah.
2: 2014 or whatever?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: The Planet of the Apes, here's the kicker for the tra- Charlton Heston.
2: Spoiler, spoiler alert for a 50-year-old movie.
1: They're on Earth. Yeah,
0: it's set in the future.
1: <laughs> yes. So, yeah. wacky times. Um, and,
2: and actually, in at the end of the original, well, the original, the, the James Franco Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. you see the space shuttle launch yes. that Charlton Heston is on mm-hmm. in the original movie.
0: That's cool. How about that? I love it. Those so damn the, dirty apes. So the um <laughs> So the reveal at the end of Planet of the Apes is that it's Earth. hmm Yeah. And you see the Statue of Liberty buried, and that's right. how you know you're there on and Earth. He says, You did it.
1: You blew the damn thing
2: up. Yeah. <laughs> From my cold dead Robert. hands. I'm talking to a chair.
1: That's Clinton's wood. That's clean, so. Sorry. I got my crazy white guy mixed up.
2: <laughs> yeah, Planet of the Apes if if you had any trepidation about it, you can put that at ease. I well, think this is going to be a fun book. Honestly, so you don't
0: have to be uh you don't Planet have to be an ape, ape head. You don't have to be, <laughs> be an <laughs> ape head. Yeah.
1: No. So, Planet of the Apes, Predator, Alien, all on this Marvel 20th Century imprint. I love that they're invested in telling good stories with the franchises. Yeah. Because yeah. it just makes it better for the consumer to consume it. For sure. For sure.
2: I I would throw every card that I have in the fact that, like, none of these are cash grabs. No. Like, I would have bought Alien and Predator even for, if they were sure, cash yeah, grabs. Just mm-hmm. for a cool cover. But they aren't. Mm-mm. And
1: neither is this. And I think that benefits Marvel in 20th Century, too. Like, for sure. Like, yes, you're gonna buy more books if it's a good book, but also it spurs interest in making these into movies again. Yeah, exactly. And I think a new one's actually coming out in a couple years.
0: It definitely gives the fandom something to stay interested in yeah. and, and be excited about. And I think that is a huge thing for the Star Wars comics. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. I mean, not only do people are people just like in love with that world, but it does bridge the gap between the tv shows and things to be able to like play in that world and create mm-hmm. hype when you're like oh this character that got introduced in a comic just 2 years ago um is going to show up in a tv show. Yeah. So they're not far off from like inspiring each other and all being a part of the lore like it's very cool if you're an invested fan. Yeah, and or like- even a casual fan just to know that there's something fun you can go buy. Yeah. yeah aside from, like, a streaming service.
2: Or
1: or a new fan. Like, imagine a kid picking up a Planet of the Apes book for the first time reading this, and their adult who is raising them is just like, well, let me tell you what, you yeah. got about 18 movies to catch for up sure. Yeah, for real. And then, uh, it, you, to your point, Mike, um, I think you're absolutely right of just, like, they get to play in the pre- playground a little bit of, like, trying new ideas, see if this works, see if this doesn't, if it resonates with folks, and then that can transition into... TV shows, movies, whatever. Yeah. So, anyway, all that to say, Planet of the Apes was very fucking good. Surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I have a lot. I have two more. I read Hairball. (laughs) Hairball from Flux House by Matt Kent and Tyler and Hillary Jenkins. Uh, This is a classic Matt Kent spooky horror book about uh, trauma. Shocker. Um, (laughs) Yeah. a uh, feline demon and a f- crippling family dynamic falling apart in front of a young girl's eyes. I nailed it! Wow, got it in one.
2: Good job, Greg. It
1: was. It's very good. It's on his Flux House imprint, which is, uh, which was announced like a year and a half ago when he promised, like, you know, some weirder stories that he can finally branch out and tell under his own imprint. And um, mm-hmm. he ma- he made some lofty. Uh, claims early on that he was going to do weird incentive covers like made out of, like, leather or wood or, like, just, like, really play with the space because Flux House is uh, a playoff of the art movement uh, Dadoism, which is, like, kind of <laughs> spurring the
0: art community. And I have yet to see any of that cool shit happen. I think I think that's wrong because, they, one, they did the... Poly bag covers for the new mind management that was all in Flux House. Okay, and then they did all of the Spy Superb books are wrapped in paper bags from uh, big box stores and chains. Yeah, and they're cut off in a way where you only see part of the Costco logo. Uh huh. But it's like enough to get it, you the. But idea. it says like. But someone has very smallly written at what. And yeah. then you see cost, <laughs> like, in the Costco logo. Spy
2: Superb is a trader. Yeah, yeah. If, if for Trader Joe's. Yeah. Okay. And,
0: and it's, while those aren't, like, I, literal recycled bags from those stores, they do use the actual logos mm-hmm. and use actual, like, textured uh, brown bag paper mm-hmm. to put those covers on. I think that's pretty fucking cool, and I'll, I'll say this too. I know for a
2: fact a two Brutus, yeah, <laughs> a two Vargas. Uh, I know for a fact that Whatnot has done a wood cover. They did wood covers for uh, uh, Nottingham.
1: Okay, but that's not on their Flux House.
2: No, no, no. It's it's a different publisher. Okay, I'm saying it it's, can be done. It's in the realm of of possibility. I know. And it, leather covers go back.
1: I like, know. I know it can be done. Matthew Kent said to us in a press release that Flux House would do this. Well, Have yet to see. I will consent. Very cool things of the poly bag and the plaque and the paper stuff that is all very fun.
2: Yeah, Matt, put your money where your mouth is. Make it fucking
1: weirder. <laughs> like, let's do some crazy shit. All that, yeah, but it was great. Flux House, I, every book on Flux House that I've read has been phenomenal, yeah. including Hairball, which came out this
0: mm-hmm. week. I think Matt Kent is the sort of guy who's like if i have a reason that like that glass would be a statement to bound a bind a comic in then he would do it i think he hasn't like found a purpose for it because sure. the paper bag stuff like ties into the spy the, the like yeah. idiot spy who's like unaware yeah. and just doing normal everyday um tasks and you know whatever else that runs into something that happens to be a higher meaning that they're not aware of mm-hmm. and the bags i feel like play into that really well okay i think you'll see it okay i tr- i trust in and and i believe in matt kent
1: then i, I will sit here in my holding pattern until then he w- we won't even
0: until <laughs> i can wring my hands in delight get into within an inch of slandering this man <laughs> There was no slander. said. I'm, that's what I'm saying. We're not even gonna get close to no, it I, by by even a remote criticism. No, I won't even, allow it. Not even with a ten foot pole. Yeah, uh, dare
1: not. Oh, the last book I did was a uh, Disney villain Scar from Dynamite.
0: It's by Chuck Brown, who was I the. I cannot uh, believe you bought this.
1: <laughs> it was because it's from the other creator of Bitter Root, Chuck oh, Brown. Wow. Um, and it was so. It's not a kids. Is it a kids comic? Well, I don't know. It's definitely a comic cover cash grab book. It's definitely a comic book. It is. It's not written in a child voice, like meaning there are some adult themes tackled. What the story is, is the story of Scar before he killed Mufasa. And like you get the history of like what separated him and Mufasa. So we get more of a kind of backstory of why he is the... uh,
0: I don't know, character he is now. Mm-hmm. It was good. I mean, it was fine. He failed out of college. He had a dirtbag dad. Yeah. <laughs> he
1: he got wrapped up in a pyramid scheme. He tried to- Really young. He lost everything. He tried to him. sell
0: Pride Rock. You know, you you wonder what would have happened to Scar if he could have just stayed in college. Yeah. or he, if...
1: <laughs> he, he dropped on a drug test and got kicked off his D, D1 sports scholarship
0: contract and he's had that one bad breakup that he couldn't get over and yeah.
2: in classic dynamite fashion CLZ has listed 28 variants for issue 1 for issue 1 alone Yeah no thanks
1: Um it, it I mean it was cool. I, I'm not a huge Disney fan. Like there are there are huge Disney fans out there that'll just eat up whatever content they can. These people will love this book. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess it's fair to say when I'm like I asked was it for kids? I mean, no. any Disney movie is like, they make them with the intention of it having broad appeal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's... Yeah, there's, a, there's it's, no it's, exposed genitalia it's, in this, it's, I guess. It's something to put your kids in front of, mm-hmm. but the point is that it's also something you can go enjoy, which is what makes Disney so popular yeah. still.
1: Mm-hmm. And th- this is an ongoing series that they're going to be doing probably for the next couple of years, Disney villains. Like, they have a Melissa... F- Melissa... F- Maleficent, Maleficent the Maleficent coming up And um, a couple others So you'll get like more of a backstory of These villains and who they are on the oh, inside Wow who do I want to see Jafar Jafar <laughs> yeah The whale from Pinocchio <laughs> uh, The big monster from Fantasia What's the octopus in um... Oh uh, hmm. Ursula Ursula I think the biggest villain is... Racism. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> Disney himself. Is Walt Disney's anti-Semitism. <laughs> that's the biggest villain. We killed Mike the D. Jazz singing crows and Dumbo. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. All of Song of the South. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Holy so, moly. Uh,
1: yeah. And that's all I read. All I read, I say in air quotes.
0: Well, we're five minutes over an hour. And Vargas and I haven't even gotten to take our damn turns yet. Well, Vargas and I over, uh, overlapped a yeah. little bit. Okay.
2: What'd you read, Mike?
0: Hey, I think if I'm going to get into it, I might do it on the Patreon.
2: Oh,
1: More incentive. Go to patreon.com backslash club to hear what Mike D read.
0: Nice. And we'll see you back here next week unless... No foolies. <laughs> No (laughs) tricks. Go for another April Fool's follow-up. Today we will
1: hit publish. (laughs)
0: Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Lichtig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club. And check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash firstissueclub.